the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And we are ready and got got a lot to cover today. Uh, And we have some great interviews as usual. I'm looking forward to uh, John Schlafly is going to be back with us. Got a great column this week. And also a man named John Bennett. John Bennett is the former chairman of the Oklahoma Republican Party. He's now running for Congress. He's a Marine, uh, decorated Marine, a family man, a pastor, very interesting guy. Came through the swamp. I visited with him. I like him a lot. We'll talk with him in a few moments. Uh, but first, let's talk about, oh, tomorrow I've got Natalie Winters from the National Pulse on, which leads me into what you need to know for today. I want to talk to you about the media more, and she is at the National Pulse. That's Raheem Kassam's outfit uh, that does a lot of great reporting. This young woman, Natalie Winters, is an investigative reporter, does great stuff, has written a piece breaking down exactly all the details on what Amazon is doing in paying for their employees to get abortions um, and, and reimbursing them even. Uh, so we'll talk to her tomorrow. Uh, and uh, we also will catch up with Austin Roos tomorrow, who's the president of her, the Center for Family and Human Rights, c-fam.org. Friend of mine, good guy. We'll talk about some of the pro-life stuff. But first, what you need to know today. Uh, I want to talk about the narrative machine with you. And I want to try to use the, an example of what's happening with abortion and the Roe v. Wade decision to try to illustrate how the left goes about this, how they go about it. You know, earlier in the week, uh, James Stocky, uh, who runs, uh, he and his wife run youramericanflagstore.com, he talked about how when they canceled him, they didn't do it, he thought, by having a meeting like a command control thing. They did it by all sort of following the leader and following the herd mentality, which is exactly like what I have told you over and over again. And so let me start by saying the narrative machine is not run by one Oz-like figure behind the curtain. Instead, its principle is more like what Volek Havel the former Czech Republic president, the late Volokhovl, who was an essayist and a poet, wrote about in 1979, he wrote about an essay called The Power of the Powerless, The Power of the Powerless, uh, and he talked about how behind the Iron Curtain, the Soviet Iron Curtain, you had a situation where what you did was you sort of pre-complied with what you thought would be necessary. So a shop owner, in his example, put out a sign that said, Workers of the World Unite. Not because they were told to, but because they knew if they did this, it was relatively benign. I mean, who cares? That sounds like, oh, Workers of the World Unite. And it sent a signal, not just to the powers that be, but to the regular folks, you're safe here. And what James Stockey said a few days ago, his, again, he and his wife run youramericanflagstore.com, it's not command control coordinated somewhere. It just happens they all fall in line. Now, watch this. The narrative machine. I told you that a few days ago that the, uh, on the major national shows, the uh, attorney general of the United States of, of Michigan said she refused to enforce a law. 
She refused. She didn't say she preferred the law be changed. She said she refused to, ref- to, to enforce the law. This, this language is almost like conscience language. It's intentional. And the media goes and runs and takes this, this quote and says, oh, you see that? This is the pr- these are the principled people who are refusing to uh, enforce a law. Now, hold that for a second and go to the AP. The AP, the Associated Press, ran a headline, and the headline was, in the last uh, 36 hours, a Senate bid to codify Roe blocked by GOP filibuster. And you go down and read the, the rest of the facts, and the actual reporting is the bill proposed by Democrats, controlled by a Democrat House and Senate Congress is, it failed in the Senate 51-49. It failed. There was no filibuster that was invoked. There was nothing. And they put it up on the floor and it failed. So why is it that everyone is, why is, how is it that these two sources, these two major news outlets, one is Politico and the, and, and the Meet the Press, that is covering the Attorney General of Michigan, who is basically saying she's above the law, and she's they're covering it glowingly, and then they're lying about the news story about in the Congress. And are they coordinated? They're not coordinated. They're not well, let me say that they're not formally coordinated, but they're directionally. The worldview they have is that this is what they should do. And it's everybody else's fault. So the photograph that runs with the AP story is a near teary Kamala Harris hugging one of the members of the Senate after this this vote fell short. It failed. It failed. The, the answer to the question is, did, did, the, did the Senate pass? Is no, it failed. And the failure, frankly, is an indication that the American people don't want that. That's how this works. You can either have a representative democracy or you can have a dictatorship or you can have a, a, a vote of the people, you know, a plebiscite. We've got this Republican uh, Democratic Republic. But watch the narrative machine now. The narrative machine is every. Oh, Jen Psaki, big government, says about the protests at the uh, at the Supreme Court, uh, a justice's house, something like, you know, well, well it, none of this was a big deal. And well, what's the big deal? In other words, Everything is directionally moving together, and it doesn't have to be coordinated. I mean, that's the eye-opener to me on James Stockey's point, an interview a few days ago. If you go to ProAmericaReport.com, you can hear it. He said one after another, it was like, it was like um, a shoes dry. He said shoes dropping or bricks falling into place. First, his web host person blocked him. Then PayPal blocked him. Then this blocked him. And, and it sort of, they sort of got in this herd mentality. That's what you see. That's the narrative machine, the power of it is that once it gets the momentum going a certain way, the story, the narrative, becomes sort of repeated and managed by the people. And on abortion, the notion, now they tried on Monday and Tuesday of this week to say that there's going to be criminal, you know, we're going to go out and arrest women that have abortions. That seems to have died down a little bit, at least that coverage of that. But you watch how this goes. The the Supreme Court leaker is not a leaker. It's some sort of uh, patriot that's done something really good, that's done something amazing. And by the way, there's another leak, another leak in the last 24 hours, it sounds like, somebody saying what the internal deliberations of the court are again. But my point here is the narrative machine is not coordinated, but the aspects of it are big media, AP, uh, and, uh, and Meet the Press, NBC, and Politico, big media, Big government, the messaging comes together from big government, whether it's Schumer, Kamala Harris, whether it's Pelosi, whether it's Psaki, she seems to have an outsized influence. And then big tech goes right along with it. 
big tech, whether you're talking about Bezos, if you don't think the impact of Bezos and Amazon saying we're going to pay for abortions for people that have to travel doesn't impact other businesses, you go out and find a small business that relies on Amazon, and most of them do, and they'll say, um, I'll do whatever it takes to stay in good with these guys. I don't particularly want to be political, but I'm not going to be getting in the way because that's my livelihood. James Stockey and his wife, when everybody shut him down, he said, well, it was a God thing. We prayed about it because we were about to go under. And he said, we have all sorts of friends and examples now of people that go bankrupt. And he said, just but for the grace of God, we got a break and this break and that break. But most of the time, people just go under. And at a certain point, we're all the way back full circle to the Volokhovl essay, The Power of the Powerless. You don't have to announce that everybody has to do X, Y, Z, P, D, Q when it's clear that the only way to survive and thrive is to do X, Y, Z, P, D, Q. And so Volokhovl's example is a store, a grocery store owner is going to put out a sign that says the power of the people unite, the, the, uh, the people of the world unite, the workers of the world unite, because it's easier to go along with the trend, go along with the flow when everything else will come in. And pretty soon... It's not just self-censorship. It's not even the thing, we, we talked about this a few months ago, inaction, being frozen by inaction. It becomes incumbent on normal people who are selfish in the sense that they want their family to have a food and a living and school and all. And they, they're not, I don't mean selfish in a negative way. I mean self, uh, self-supporting, self-sufficient, self-focused in a family sense, hopefully. Once you see the way the wind blows, you're going to set your sails. And over and over again, we're watching the, uh, another big example, big tech. Did you see the, the, the response to Elon Musk from, from the people in tw- the Twitter people, people that objected to that? Did you see what big government does when they name an inf- disinformation czar who's as loony as, the, as, as anybody out there on any side? The new press secretary for the White House dramatically, you know, it's incredible. They like, look at us. We got the first African-American woman. I think she might even be gay. I don't know. And so here we are. There's a big deal, except you know what? In 2016 and 17 and 18, she regularly posted that the election in 2016 and then the election in 2018 in Georgia's governor's race, they were fraudulent. She had no proof. No courts had proven what she asserted. And she said there was an illegitimate presidency. It was a flawed election. She didn't believe elections were done free and fair. Well, that's what a lot of folks said after 2020. And they found themselves knocked off of Twitter, knocked off of Facebook, shut down. People lose GoDaddy accounts, Google, uh, uh, excuse me, GoDaddy accounts and, and Yahoo accounts because of they take the position. But if you take it on the right side of the argument, on the right side of the issues, meaning on the left, You take it on the correct side for the powers that be, you'll be okay. In fact, you won't just be okay. You'll be promoted and protected. And and again, human beings are naturally adaptive. We look around and see how do we do the best we can? How do we succeed the best we can? How do we find the best way forward? And when you see over and over again that the best way forward is to follow the flow, the the narrative flow as it's indicated by big government, big tech, and big media, pretty soon you're living in a place you don't need a disinformation czar to enforce it when you've got Bezos enforcing it and you've got Facebook enforcing it. 
you know, there's another story out that Zuckerberg's bucks, the bucks that Zuckerberg spent on the election, I think, I don't think the money was spent illegally, meaning Zuckerberg gave it to a foundation. I think people that got the money might have done illegal things. I don't know for sure. But now there's another story about someone who was a big uh, election activist who got a bunch of Zuckerberg's money again. I mean, after a while, the only people that are dumb are the ones that don't see what pays, what makes sense, that what direction things are going. And that's a problem, a major problem. All right, we'll take a break. And uh, like I said, I, I've been talking about James Stocky, that interview. You can go listen to it over at ProAmericaReport.com. And uh, we're coming up in a moment. John Schlafly's got a new column this week. And we'll also talk to John Bennett, former chairman of the Oklahoma GOP uh, and now a candidate for U.S. Congress. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with John Schlafly. The Schlafly Report appears each week, posts about Tuesday night in the evening on townhall.com, as well as over at phyllisschlafly.com. It's archived there in all of the columns. John Schlafly with his brother, Andy Schlafly, they tag team. In fact, you should write an essay sometime, John, about the back and forth. It's two brothers, one on the East Coast, one in the Central Time in St. Louis, where John uh, is, and they go back and forth. It's, a, it's an incredible process. And so weekly, the uh, Schlafly Report is there. This week's column is entitled Fauci's Next Lockdown Victim, Free Speech. And uh, John and Andy are referring to a uh, commencement speech that Dr. Anthony Fauci gave uh, uh, over the weekend. I don't know if anybody noticed it. But so, John, walk us through what you found and uh, what Fauci said. Um, well, thank you, Ed. Good to talk to you. And uh, as you know, as everyone knows, Dr. Fauci has been a little quiet in yeah. recent weeks. Agree, but he's emerged to uh, deliver, uh, he's doing a round of commencements. He's delivered a commencement at the University of Michigan, and he's scheduled for later this month at Princeton. And, uh, you know, so he's uh, back in the public eye. And um, we were particularly struck by Fauci's statement to graduates. And, and incidentally, Ed, this was, I think, three classes graduating at once because the last two years were canceled. Right, so right, they right. Were, this was a combined graduation, and Fauci is telling these bright young people who may may or may not have learned anything after <laughs> uh, uh, you know lockdown at their college. You know, Fauci is saying that it's our collective responsibility to combat the normalization of untruths. Hmm. Well, you know, that sounds an awful lot like the disinformation governance board that the Biden administration is creating. And, you know, this type of thing that is popping up in different places, and then you have, uh, you know, it's sort of in line with the ESG movement where corporate America is hmm. basically trying to impose a single acceptable narrative on everyone involved in money and banking. So this is really restrictive, alarming. Um, there is no one narrative that should be acceptable in our country. Uh, 
that is totally inconsistent with the principles of free speech that our Constitution requires. Well, and but John, and we're talking with John Schlafly again. His column is uh, entitled "Fauci's Next Lockdown: Free Speech," referring to uh, Dr. Fauci, sort of defending himself for being a bit defensive, in my opinion, as I read the speech, saying, "You know, um, uh, we've got to make sure that everybody believes uh, that what is true is true, and I'll be the one to tell you." And and the thing here that uh, that is, uh, I almost sort of talk about lack of uh, self awareness. Uh, Fauci was wrong on a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, he wasn't wrong on everything, but he was wrong on a whole bunch of stuff. And so was the Surgeon General. And so was both presidents that have been in, in office. And so were decisions. Not to say that the opponents of any one Fauci decision were always right either. But, you know, if one thing was proved in the past five years, it's that when the experts tell you this is what is canonically true, you just have to at least say, uh, wait a second, let's think about that. And 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 the and the idea that the government is going to be the one that forces you to do that. It's what it's actually one thing I think you'll agree for large institutions. Let's let's go there. Let's go this direction. If the if a church tells you this is what we think the truth is, if you want to be a member of that church, you may subscribe to that, even if. It looks impossibly untrue, right? If your university, a private university, says we're going to teach this way and we this is what we believe, it may be un, it may not be true. They can argue it if you want to be a member of their society. When the government does it, which is what Fauci is, the government, it's a it's a totally different thing, and it seems again like there's no self awareness, or they just don't care, and they're going to keep sort of plowing forward that way until you all agree. Well, yes, uh, Ed, I'm not sure I agree with you that uh, a church is a good point of comparison. There's okay. a difference between science and values. And, uh, you know, your your church expresses your values. But science and Fauci, of course, you know, uh, you know, arrogantly announced that he was science and he represented science. Uh, but uh, but science requires the the the, uh, you know, the back and forth. Uh, there's never any final answer, really, in science. And we've certainly seen that in the course, in the two year, two and a half years, we faced the pandemic. Dr. Fauci has changed his view on fundamental things like masking, uh, you know, multiple times. But the whole idea that the whole country needed to go in lockstep for a single response that was determined by uh, by the so-called experts, and the experts didn't all agree either. Right. Legitimate, um, credentialed experts have had different views all along from the beginning, and um, and it's ultimately, uh, you know, we are talking about medical science, but you know, your older listeners may. Remember when it was taken for granted in this country that the ultimate point of decision is the patient and, the, you know, you're consulting your own doctor. Now, I hear that phrase a lot in the context of abortion, but what about with COVID? And But what we have found is that, you know, individual choice with in consultation with your own doctor has does not apply to COVID. And why is that? Instead, there's been one uniform regimen and protocol that has been enacted from Washington, D.C. and imposed on every doctor. And doctors who have an independent view have been 
you know, threatened with the loss of their medical credentials. So there's a lot to be concerned about the loss of our freedom that we've seen in connection with COVID. And Uh, uh, recent speech is is an example of that. Uh, We're talking with John Schlafly. Uh, John, um, pulling back from the conversation a little bit, like up to 50,000 feet, um, and your mother, who who you and I are so familiar with in terms of her uh, life, she um, communicated as a writer primarily, although she did radio and TV too, but she was a writer her whole life in a period where if you sent a newsletter in the mail starting in about 19, what you tell me, 58, the Mannion report, is that what it's called? The Mannion report. And then Phyllis Schlafly report. Others use newsletters to communicate. Now people communicate so quickly with so much information and, and actually the, the danger is, oh, great. You know, I can now, um, I can be, um, Ed Martin. I can send an email in the morning and I can communicate to lots of people. Isn't that wonderful? Well, it is wonderful, but the means to communicate is able to be dominated by the, the, um, the more powerful, the more influential, and in this case, perhaps the government. And, and I'll say more clearly, if if you could have uh, diminished the reach of the Phyllis Schlafly report, which had such success over literally 50 years as a monthly report, you, I, we, you and I meet people all the time who said I was formed by reading that every time. If you could diminish that by somehow swamping it out with all sorts of other letters uh, and minimize it. That's what it feels like it's happening with with the technology that that the truth you may you and I may say, no, let's argue about the truth. What, what, what are you saying? But you're swamped out by the power of big tech and big media and big government. Isn't that one of the problems here? Well, we've seen this play out with uh, uh, Twitter. And uh, I don't know, Ed, if you've been a user of Twitter, but those who are. Uh, and who, you know, wallow in all of that stuff <laughs> yeah. uh, every day. And, you know, you have to have the freedom to make mistakes. I mean, you know, and pursue theories and uh, without being shouted down. And, uh, you know, people do send out tweets and then they delete their tweets when they realize they tweeted something that was improper. That happens all the time, which is okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, so the idea that the government, the federal government or a government official, uh, should be in the business of combating, you know, disinformation and, you know, basically excluding points of view from the public square, or as Fauci put it, the normalization of what he considers to be untruths, even though Fauci himself has changed his view on some very fundamental issues over the last two and a half years. So, um, you know, that's the, that's the dictatorial mindset. Um, and, uh, too many people in our government have that mindset mm-hmm. and, uh, that's part of the swamp yeah. that uh, tr- Trump promised to drain, and I hope he'll have another chance <laughs> to drain the rest of the swamp. Well, I think um, it, it's um, it is an, Fauci is an example. Fauci is something to study because the power of the the uh, physician, the white coat factor. You know, they, there's a term. Uh, forget now the term, the white coat effect. If you well, if you, you, you you remember that uh, you know. President Trump had his COVID task force, and he brought Fauci into the White House, but he had a team of rivals. And right. he, Fauci had to every day confront 
his uh, fellow Italian-American, who is just as valuable, uh, Peter, Dr. Peter Navarro. And between the two of them, uh, you know, battling it out across the table in the White House every day, you know, some positive things happened during right. the Trump administration. We don't see yeah. that anymore. Yeah. All right, John, I got to run. John Schlafly, everybody, go to the go to the phyllisschlafly.com. You'll see the archive of all his columns. Uh, very good every week. And they post over at townhall.com. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's uh, fun for me, you know, as I tell my listeners, uh, John, our next guest is John Bennett. I, I, out in the swamp here, a lot of folks that even the do-gooders that don't want to want to drain the swamp come through the swamp. So I get to meet a lot of them. So uh, I guess it was earlier this week, uh, John Bennett came out. John Bennett is the uh, he's the former Oklahoma Republican Party chair. And as my listeners know, I was chairman of the Republican Party of Missouri. So there's sort of honor among uh, spear catchers. If you're a, a, cha- a chairman of a party, it's a very thankless and tough job. So I was, first of all, intrigued by that. But I, the reason I saw John Bennett was my friend, General Mike Flynn, uh, texted me and said, you got to see this guy. He's running for Congress in Oklahoma's second congressional district. It's a big, wide open race, a primary meet this guy. So uh, John Bennett came out to Washington. I spent some time with him, retired Marine, uh, served in intelligence in the Marine Corps, uh, decorated career and uh, and has been uh, fighting the good fight in politics, served in the legislature in Oklahoma. So welcome to the program, John. How are you? Doing great, Ed. Thanks for having me on. Well, first of all, tell me how you got to know General Flynn. He came in hot and said, this is a great guy, Ed. You got to you got to uh, when John Bennett comes to town. So uh, which is a big deal. You know, Mike, Mike Flynn is first of all, he's a great American and all, but he also is a pretty shrewd judge of character. Tell me how you how you got to know him and where that comes from. It's congratulations on that endorsement for your race. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So uh, General General Flynn and I became fast uh, friends. Uh, we met. Uh, it's been well, well, I guess close to a year and a half, two years ago. Hmm. Um, I'd met him through a mutual friend of, of mine, Jackson Lawmeyer, which is a um, um, running for the U.S. Senate in yeah, Oklahoma yeah. as well. And uh, doing a fantastic job. Uh, but uh, we had met at one of the uh, Make America Great Again rallies, one of the Freedom Rallies. Uh-huh. And we got to talking, and then I told him that I was running for the state party chair. He he really uh, sat down and vetted me really well. And then later on, I'd asked him for an endorsement. And, of course, he was uh, very helpful in that, and he endorsed me in my state party chairman race as well as um, – my race for the United States Congress. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, I didn't realize that. I remember that now that you say it. That was a contested race for chairman of the party. So, all right. So you're running for Congress. For, before we get to the race, and I, I do want to hear about that, and I, I, you told me something about it. Yeah, I, you know, a, a normal guy like you, I use the term loosely, you know, you served in the Marine Corps, you got a nice life and family, and uh, you, you, you really want to go serve in Congress? I, tell me how and why. Well, I, I think uh, it's probably better explained as a reluctant warrior. So I've served uh, in the Marine Corps for over 20 years. I'm just terrified for my children and my grandchildren's future um, and the future of the United States and the freedoms that we are that are slipping out of our hands every single day. Um, and somebody's got to get up there and fight. Uh, I don't see it coming from Washington today. There's maybe a handful at best and all the rest are selling us down the road uh, just as fast as the communists are taking us over. I mean, it's just unreal. So I decided instead of complain and whine and cry about it, I'm just going to get in a fight um, and we're going to 
get something done because we're at the edge of the cliff right now. And if we don't stand by for freedom today, we won't have any freedoms to fight for tomorrow. So the stand is now. Well, uh, John, we're talking with John Bennett. He's running for Congress in the second congressional district in Oklahoma. Before we go into the race a little bit, uh, tell our listeners uh, where they can find out more about you, your website. So if they want to go track you down, uh, they can, please. Absolutely. Uh, my website is johnbennettforcongress.com. Um, you can also find me out on Fascist Book, uh, i.e. Facebook, John <laughs> Bennett for Congress. Um, so I'm out there as well. So come and check me out, and I'd appreciate any support. Uh, all right. So, John Bennett, the race is the second congressional district. Now, I, help me understand. The current congressman decided to run for Senate in a special election. So he's not running. So it's a wide open seat. It, it's a Republican seat in general. Right. So what's the contour? Wh- where is the district? What's it like? Uh, who's running? And then the biggest question is, you know, in your estimation, uh, what's the top two or three issues you got to get uh, after as a, a congressman? And so the, the district is the second largest congressional district in the state of Oklahoma. Wow. Um, it's the entire eastern end of the state of Oklahoma. It runs north to the uh, Kansas border, east to Missouri and Arkansas, and south to the Texas border. Wow. So it's a very large district. Um, and the, uh, it's primarily a rural area, very conservative uh, group of folks in, the, in these areas that just love God, family, and country. Um, and they want to see uh, someone that's going to stand up and fight for them. So I think I I have an advantage over everyone else because I have a proven track record of doing that in my entire life. And mm-hmm. also in the legislature, I'm not just blowing smoke up their pant legs to get their votes. I've actually proven that I am who I say I am. Uh, and that that resides very well with them. Yeah. Um, so some of the biggest issues that we're facing in Oklahoma, uh, well, first and foremost, and across the United States, really, is just election fraud. It's never been fixed. No one's been held accountable. People are furious and they're rightfully scared that we're never going to have another free elect, free and fair election again. Um, they're pushing this critical race theory, the sexual wokeness down our throats. People are furious over that as well. Um, you know, the same party that can't figure out that there's only two genders, male and female, the same ones that are saying, well, all of a sudden now we recognize uh, that women are women and you you must let them kill the unborn in their wombs. People are upset about that uh, as well, and they should be. Um, there's just so many things right now. The entire Biden administration is a wreck. And to make it worse, the Republican establishment hasn't lifted a finger to stop it. Yeah. Um, and uh, my constituents are mad about that. Uh, we're talking with John Bennett again. It's uh, John Bennett for Congress dot com is the website. Um, John, the what about Trump? A lot of these people and we talked about it when you were up visiting here. They want to they want to write that uh, Donald Trump is no longer the leader of the party. It's time to move on to other people on the ground in your in your work. Donald Trump, I mean, I, I'd say it all the time. You and I talked about it. he's the leader of the party. There's no doubt about it. But it's even more than that. He's the he's the leader of the battle right now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I endorsed him in 2016 as a sitting state legislator um, in the primary. And I got beat up over that by my fellow Republicans because they were all for Ted Cruz. And I told them all then and I'm saying it still today. And so are my constituents. We need bold leadership. And that bold leadership is Donald Trump. Uh, We're so far along. We're so far on the edge of the cliff that someone has to take a bold stance, just like Trump did his first four years in office. Continue to take those bold steps now and rally the troops so we can get get this nation back and start putting America first again. And I told several interviewers this 
Donald Trump is the only guy, uh, only person that could be the president and fix this nation today. Is um is John is is when you again you you're in your position as chairman of the Oklahoma party you were dealing with the RNC you're dealing with the other party chairs um is there anyone who knows politics who doesn't understand that Donald Trump is the present and the future if he wants to be uh, of the party? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, you have those rhino establishment folks that are just like, well, you know, we just need to move along and find someone else. Well, first and foremost, elections were stolen and they have consequences, and we're dealing with those consequences today with everything going on in the United States. Uh, but even those that are against President Trump, um, right. they have realized, hey, this this has got to be the right guy. So I would say 99% across the board, everyone is publicly saying yes, this is the guy we need back in office. Uh, John Bennett is who we're talking to. John, I'm on your website. Again, John Bennett for Congress.com. And um, I, I, it's you and Flynn. As far as I can see, it's you and General Flynn. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess in the, in the, on the grassroots right now, because Donald Trump, Trump can't be out there as much, there's nobody quite like General Flynn. General Flynn is a real proven patriot. Um, they, the government took him through the ringer and he come out even stronger than what he was when he went in. He loves the American people. He's a fighter. Um, and he was, you know, he recruited me. He recruited uh, Jackson Longmire and other patriots across the country. And he's reaching out to um, the grassroots and saying, hey, we need to put real principled patriots that will fight for we the people in this God bless Constitution Republic in office. Um, and he's endorsed me and he's endorsed me because I have a proven record of being a fighter for the people. Um, and we all need to raise up now and make sure we get the right people elected. It's an honor to have his yeah, endorsement. The only, the only problem, John, with your website is the picture of you and your wife. She's so much uh, better than you are. And then the picture of your kids and you. I mean, it's just that uh, your, your family's out overshadowing you, John. You have to work on this. But uh, no, congratulations on a, on a uh, on, on a good, good website. Very good website. Very helpful. Figure out very quickly. So, again, John Bennett for Congress dot com. You'll see who he is, what he's about. And if you're interested in getting involved, some of our folks, John are in different places, parts of the country where they have to find the race they want to help with. And, and uh, I'm sure you'll take their help and their support in every way. So thank you, John. We'll, we'll keep a close eye on your race. Good luck with everything. And uh, we'll speak again soon. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. and We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report uh, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. True to form for a politician with decades of experience in not taking the blame for anything, President Joe Biden absolutely refuses to be held accountable for the exorbitant price of gas. Biden's blamed Putin. Biden's blamed COVID. He's even blamed oil companies. While this lack of ownership is annoying enough in itself, it's also leading the White House to offer solutions that won't actually solve the problem. Incredulously, President Biden announced that the best way to lower gas prices is to charge fees to oil companies. To those of us who don't speak Bidenese, the word taxes should be used in place of the word fees. Somehow Biden claims that increasing the expenses of oil companies will make them lower their prices to us. Obviously, the only small business Joe Biden has ever set foot in is the occasional ice cream shop. When in the history of humanity has increasing taxes led to lower prices. It's ridiculous on its face. As another strategy to lower the price of gas, Biden also initiated a plan to release a million barrels of oil 
each day from America's Strategic Petroleum Reserve. This makes about as much sense as cooling your home by opening the refrigerator door rather than turning on the air conditioner. Sure, there might be a few seconds of temporary relief, but it doesn't address the root cause of the problem. Candidate Joe Biden started putting America on this path the moment he started talking about intentionally making it harder for traditional energy companies to stay in business. True to his word on the campaign trail, when he was elected president, he made it a top priority for his EPA to regulate traditional energy companies out of business. Why should we be surprised that prices are on the rise? Unleashing American energy production by allowing new permits is the only way to decrease dependency on foreign oil and to lower gas prices. It wouldn't be hard for the Biden administration to do this. The only reason that I can see why Biden refuses to do this is because it would force him to admit that he was wrong. The American people shouldn't suffer a minute longer because of his hubris. Unleash American energy today, Mr. President. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. These culturally relevant commentaries, along with videos, columns, and bulletins, are waiting for you at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Plus, find, follow, and share our news and views on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Parler, Gab, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, wrapping things up today. I want to point you in a direction. I don't know if I've ever talked about this, so let me ask you a favor. A couple things. One is, first, do me a favor. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook, at Eagle Ed Martin, Ed Martin Live on Facebook, Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, all those places. Uh, ProAmericaReport.com. Go there and sign up for the daily email. There's lots of ways you can help uh, get the word out. Here's one thing I want to mention to you. Every month, every weekday of every month, I run a three-minute radio commentary. It's the um, follow-up to the three-minute commentary that Phyllis Schlafly did for decades and decades. I've been doing it for almost six years, a little bit more, and I record them ahead of time. So earlier this week, and oh, yeah, uh, to, yeah, earlier this week, I started recording the ones that will run in June. And it's a really interesting process. We have a team that puts it together. I do about um, 20, you know, 18, 19, 20, depending on the month, 21 uh, recordings for the next month because you're running every weekday and some months have a, a day or two more depending on how this, the weekends uh, fall. But if you go to phyllisschlafly.com and do, pull down the, the uh, tab, you can see radio commentaries and you'll see the text as well as the audio of the files. Uh, but it, the fun thing is to try to look out into the future. Because we're trying to write commentaries, I mean, write and then record commentaries for June. So it, it, it's, it's early May, mid-May. Usually it's the middle of the month before that are running. So that's, you know, if you're lucky, it's two weeks until the first one runs, you know, June 1st. But the next one, the one that's three and a half weeks later at the end of June is you're recording six weeks away. So you sort of have to guess and you get a rhythm of issues that come up. So for June... You can say, well, there's going to be a bunch of Supreme Court decisions, and you know the universe of decisions, although you don't know the decision. Well, in this case, because what we hope happened with Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs case, we do have a better sense. So I wrote a number of, of commentaries, which I will post as they run late in June, uh, called No Exceptions. And the idea is a conversation about abortion, where if you believe abortion is a, a killing of a life, then having exceptions doesn't make sense, and we ought to talk about it. 
And so I think you'll be very interested. It will be controversial. I mean, it will, it will definitely get some attention in the sense that I just lay out. If you believe it's a baby, then all bets are off. So go to phyllisschlafly.com and check out the radio commentaries. There's a drop down, uh, uh, a drop down tab and you can click on radio commentaries and look at each month's. And, uh, we often include them in the, uh, in the, um, email that you go to proamericareport.com. And of course, that's what just ran. You just heard it before this segment starts. That's what always runs before this segment. I almost forgot to tell you that to remind you of that. But if you're listening to the show as it runs on the air on the radio, that's when you hear this. If you're listening on a rebroadcast, uh, we do not include it in there. That's one of the things you'll hear. That's why I don't really refer to them too often because so many people listen to this as a podcast or listen to it uh, as standalone links. So check that out. Check that out. I just want to encourage you to do that. Uh, very interesting to think about how to write and then record uh, commentaries for five weeks away, especially on the issue of life uh, in, li- in light of what's happening. Uh, we hope, God willing, uh, coming out of the Supreme Court. All right. Let me say again, thank you to Noah Dingley, our great team in uh, San Diego, our producer, as well as associate producer Joanna Spilger out of St. Louis. Uh, I will look forward to uh, being back tomorrow. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Go over there and sign up for the daily email, as well as uh, get yourself uh, any of the interviews and segments you might have heard and want to take a look at again and pass them on to others. So thank you for tuning in. I'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.